Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. My name is Laura Bradburn and I'm joined as always on a Friday by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? Very well, Laura. Yourself? Fine, fine. All the better for the reunion of the three amigos. For the first time in, what, about six weeks, we've got Jim Orr back on the show. How are you doing, Jim? Fine, Laura. Good to go. Good to go. Well, you two won't be feeling as nervous as me because I've got the boss man over my shoulder watching me here which is not something I usually have. So we'll, we'll crack on with the show as it is and see how we go on. Uh, big show today. Not enough time for our guest to sell feature that we normally do on a Friday. That'll come back, I'm sure, during the international breaks and some of the quieter weeks, but too much stuff going on in the present day to be talking about Adam Virgo and the like. <laughs> so we'll crack on. Uh, Jim, I'll come to you first. As was the case with me last night, I managed to get a ticket uh, away up in the gods for the game. Uh, I know you've been back to a few, but this was the, the biggest capacity we've had back. How did you feel 
being being in with as many fans as we were in with last night, what what was your feelings on on being back at full capacity Celtic Park? Weird. I think weird's the word you would use after such a long time. Yeah, I was fortunate to get out the ballot for the Mitchellon game and uh, nine thousand there. As I said last week, it felt like pre-season friendly because you could hear everything that's happening. Uh, last week, twenty-five thousand. Uh, I got a ticket off somebody who wasn't using it before somebody jumps on my back to say two games. <laughs> uh, and it was great. It was great because they won so well. And the big moment for me in the game was uh, when Kyogo scored his hat trick. Uh, everyone round about me were all kind of fist pumping, complete strangers, the kind of because everyone felt, "Whoa, we've got this new hero now." Uh, last week felt really weird with that many at the game. Very few wearing masks, to be mm-hmm. honest, including me. Uh, is this one of these things where if you're not forced to do something, you tend not to do it? So I think. Uh, yeah. I think lots of people would be a wee bit wary going to the game given the last 18 months of the fire, but once they were there, because I think when you read all the stuff maybe a few months ago that when we get back to football, you need to wear masks and you can't sing and you, and you, and you can't buy food and you can't do all this kind of stuff, you're thinking, well, what's the point? But uh, certainly that wasn't the case last night. And then did the huddle, which kind of like for me was like we're back with mm. the huddle. So I've been fortunate, as I said, to go to the the last three games, went forward to, to Hearts on Sunday and Alkmaar next week and then St Mirren. So I think for like most people in life, you kind of, uh, we've missed a lot of things and we've kind of tended to take things for, for take things for granted over the last 18 months. So a chance to go to the game, I think people are going to take uh, every opportunity. Uh, the game was sold out last week. I think uh, it's quite a bit from, from selling out on Sunday, but uh, hopefully you know people will start buying tickets for Sunday and make it another good atmosphere. And, Good atmosphere from now on, and because you know a number of players there, you kind of David Turnbull's this called haven't played in front of a full Celtic Park last night. And although last night wasn't full, I'm so a bit confused why they kept the South Stand completely uh, empty. I think there was mm-hmm. they should have done something with that. So not too sure about that one, but uh, yeah, it was good to answer the question. It was good to be back. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh... Brown Warrior on uh, YouTube, thanks for commenting. We are now live on eight locations on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, whatever, wherever you can find us, uh, make sure and tune in. But he says, football without fans is nothing. The most prophetic statement ever made in football by the, the mighty Mr. Steen. Uh, and Tony, before I come to you to get your thoughts on, on, on you know, watching it from, from outside the stadium and, and the game in general, just a, a, a bit of a recap from my own position. Uh, me and my brother went, it's actually the first time we've been at a game together for over a decade for various reasons, living in different locations and that kind of thing. And um, we both said something similar to what you were saying there, Jim, of the worry that was there, the anticipation, the, the that kind of thing. But once you were back in Celtic Park, it's such a familiar place that you just felt that almost the eighteen, the last 18 months hadn't happened in a lot of ways. There was obviously the emotional um, minutes applause for, for those who've unfortunately not been able to make it back to see their beloved Celtic. Uh, there was the you'll never walk alone. All things that just, you know, bring a lump to your throat just talking about it now. It was fantastic to be there. Uh, a real kind of nature is healing moment and hopefully something that that remains from now on. I, I would hate to think that we go backwards from here, but uh, but for the moment we have to just go with things as they are. And with that, Tony, I'll come to you. Uh, your thoughts on observing the game with the full with the full crowd, and also just 
to talk a bit more about the game. The, the opening 20 minutes of the game was probably the strongest. What what were your thoughts of of the crowd being there? Did it help the performance and, and what the performance was like initially? I gauged it with my father's reaction yesterday. I phoned him before he went and he was like a big kid. My dad's, mm-hmm. my dad's 72 and uh, he was he just he was beside himself. And then I think it's just that moment, that explosion of joy for everybody to be back in a natural habitat, I think, as Jim was saying there, you know, and it has been weird the past 18 months, but just, I think for all the Celtic supporters last night, there was just a kind of sign that there was a semblance of normality about it, and there was a weirdness to it as well, with people going, who hadn't been, or going without loved ones who sadly passed away those past 18 months, and that, we don't have a walk alone, it was pretty poignant uh, for, for those people, and and it would be important to remember them as well moving forward every year, I would think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Celtic now, the, the, they've started to play a wee bit, haven't they? I think mm-hmm. they, I wrote a piece saying the APR is now uh, kicked in. It's not annual percentage rate, it's the Ange Postacoglu revolution, I'd say that. And, uh, and now we're watching with added interest was the payoff line with that uh, that I said and I think we are now there's something afoot don't get too up you don't get too down I think Ange was very like that after the Mitchell and Hearts defeats he wasn't too down about it because he, he said there were certain things coming together and now there are more things coming together with three wins on the spin you can see that and I think the Celtic supporters you need to rein them in a wee bit the excitement levels are now up there. Jim touched upon Kyogo, the new hero, and everybody's excited to see where he can go and what achievements can be reached and heights can be reached with, with him and the team. But I think I think mm, you just need to curb your enthusiasm because you are really excited about this Celtic team, certainly yeah. from middle to front. And they started last night and there was a move where Christie almost connected with Kyogo with another cross ball and had that gone in it there'd been a brilliant football goal it's a great mm. passing move you know so these are things that I observe you know this team will score goals playing the way Ange wants them to play but last night it was just nice to be in control of a situation where they didn't have to bust it go hell for leather scored a couple of cracking goals through Turnbull and they were always in control you know and had and I know there was some you know Joe Hart made a save, and I don't think I've heard a save celebrated like that in all my life. (laughs) First penalty against the Rangers at Hamden, and Boric penalty save against Manchester United from Saha. Celebrated like a goal. I think that was just a a mixture of relief and joy and angst that they actually had someone between the sticks who saved the ball as it came towards them. So (laughs) I'll give them that. But, you know, there's... I do, I just think you're, you're bursting now to see Celtic and I think the fans that were there last night and the ones that will go in the future, they're just dying to see this team in, in full effect. The three in a row, they've won and the signs are, the signs are good and you mm-hmm. can almost speak positively about those last three games and hopefully they can get some more new players in before the, the August transfer window shuts and get the, the full revolution that Ange wants with all the players at his disposal and, and see where it can take us. 
I think also a lot yeah, of the, absolutely. just to echo Tony's uh, comments about trying to curb your enthusiasm that I said last week that uh, the first three competitive games, the reaction was almost hysterical over the top. Mm. And then the week that we've had and the week that the main rivals have had, you can see the reaction going the other way over the top. You know, and I think yeah. you have to watch that. And that's the kind of nature of the of the kind of fickle football fan. And I think that in any game that you lose, you look for the positives. In any game you win, you look for the negatives. And there's, there's, I think there's a few negatives, but, you know, if you can't have a good time and you win 6 nothing, then football's not for you. But, yeah. you know, I'd seen things last week and you thought, hmm. And I said yeah. in last week's podcast, watching an Ange team, it's about like heart attack football when they're yeah. playing out the back, you know. And even when we get the guys who can play that kind of football, it's still going to be heart attack football and we're going to lose goals from that. So I think, I think we have to get used to that. You know, a lot of it kind of looks a wee bit off the cuff to me. And when it works out okay, you think that was good. Mm. <laughs> but you know, like the Joe Hart one they had last night, you're thinking, what are you doing? You're a clown. You know, so there's going yeah. to be incidents like that. I think uh, the reason I'm not getting too, too wound up about this is I thought that team we played last night were a pretty average team. I thought Dundee are a pretty average team. Yeah. I've got two games against uh, a very good Altmar team and a trip to Ibrox. I think after that game, I think we can assess a bit better as to where mm-hmm. we are. So I wouldn't get too too excited. Not trying to be like a Victor Meldrew here, but I think let's wait to the end of August and let's see when we are there. But there's encouraging signs, and I think I think the board have to back their manager because I think the other encouraging thing that we've seen that and I've said this in the podcast in the past. If you're going to win a league, two things have to happen. You have to put as many points on the board as you can. Yeah. You know, the rivals can't match that. And what we saw last week at Tan, in fact. Last week on the podcast, I said things can turn pretty quickly in football. The main rivals could lose at Tandy, could, could drop points at Tandy, so we could win 5 nothing, And that would turn everything, and that's kind of, okay, we won 6 nothing, And they drop points. Because that was, I think, the big thing that fans looked at to think, <clears throat> hold on, that bubble's been burst. They're no mm. longer invincible in the league. What that also does, that encourages other teams to have a go where, in the, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think they're a good team. I'm not saying they're not a good team. However, I think when they've lost the second league game of the season, in much the same way as we lost at Tynecastle, other teams will look at that and think, we can beat them. We can yeah. have a go at them. So I think that bubble was burst. And then the bigger bubble that was burst, the financial bubble that was burst, was the Malmo game. Because I mean, mm. <laughs> this time last week, I think the majority of the Celtic fans were looking at the doomsday scenario. Never the bank 40 million quid in the Champions yeah. League. Right, they're going to win the league this year, bank another 40 million. So all of a sudden they're 80 million pound ahead. And we're in major trouble. And within a week, they've blown 40 million. Because at half time on Tuesday night, playing against 10 men at home, score a goal and you're through, they blew 40 million pounds. And then after the way we played, we're thinking, you know what? We could be, maybe win this league. And if we win the league, we get the 40 million pounds. So you're looking at a potentially seismic change from them pocketing 80 and us getting nothing to them, getting nothing, us getting 40. So mm-hmm. that make a huge. So I think that's another major reason why. Celtic fans are a bit more upbeat and a bit more excited, but all I would say just echo Tony's comments, curb your enthusiasm. And if you yes. want to curb your enthusiasm, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. So <laughs> I get that. In. Um, just to bring up uh, Steps to Pets, I think that's how you say it. He, uh, he or she has commented on uh, Twitch, which you can, of course, do now, um, and says, oh, hang on, the computer's uh, playing about. Um, 
thought the team were outstanding to a man last night. Highlights from my seat was minute 67, which everybody knows about in the celebration after Hart's second save, um, which backs up what we've been saying about, you know, the crowd being back in there and, and, and back in the players that, Tony, as you said, the celebration after Hart's saves was almost as if we'd scored the goal. The only other goalkeeping example I can think of, apart from the ones you mentioned, was when uh, Boric saved the, the penalty to uh, against Spartak Moscow in the penalty shootout to put us yeah. through to the Champions League. That was another one. that uh, I was there that night and it was it was absolutely rocking. But yeah, some, some great points raised there. I think um, for me, and uh, Tony, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, I was sitting with my brother last night looking at the match and, and we were talking about Callum McGregor and how he was playing in what some people would suggest is a slightly deeper role than they would like to see him in. Um, but what it gave us and what it markedly contrasted between was the way he plays football to the way Scott Brown played football. Um I think having Calmack in that deeper role gives us a really good pivot point, a guy who can control the ball, a guy who can pass the ball very easily and, and start moves off. And for everything that Scott Brown brought to the team, I think Callum McGregor in that deeper role is a lot better suited to the system. Were you impressed with him last night from what you saw? I've been impressed by Calmack since the season started, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody could have a negative to say about Callum Mack. The, the boy's a footballer. But mm-hmm. you know what's even better about see when you're a footballer and you can see the picture in front of you? That's even better. He's actually in a position yeah. now where you can see football in pictures. You know, you can see it, you can see it in moves. You know, uh, and you can also... I, I wrote this in the book and Jim will tell you that there's certain players can function like snooker players. Yeah. They're two or three shots or moves ahead. And... I think I, I said that Cruyff was one of those people who just saw football in pictures, right? Because of the way he played and the way he thought about football. Now, I'm not comparing Cal Mack to Cruyff, but I'm talking about if you're in a kind of similar role, it's all in front of you. So when you're as good a footballer as he is, then you can operate and do those things that you said. You know, he can, mm-hmm. play, he can play the pass, he can start moves, because he, he's seen it, he's got tremendous vision. It's one thing he always has. And he's, a, he's got a good engine getting backwards and forwards. And also, when he's 20 yards from goal, he's got a good shot. So this will bring the best out in Cal McGregor, I think, the way mm-hmm. the way Ange wants him to play. And you trust him implicitly in there because he's, yeah. he's, he's beside other good footballers, i.e. like Turnbull, who showed his class again last night with two cracking goals, two cracking finishes, right? You know, couldn't believe after a couple of bad days at the office, people were saying, sell him. I mean, seriously. Another mm. baller, right? He's another baller. And then we ought to talk about a good piece of management. Now, football management is all about man managing players. It's in the job description. Management. This guy, Andrew, is now getting a tune out of Tom Rogic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was heading for the exit door, right? Now, if anyone's going to get a tune out of Tom Rogic, it would have been Ange. And he has so far. Tom Rogic's a talented footballer. But you know my thoughts on him. The DVD with his goals, but not the DVD with his greatest games. He's actually yeah. starting now to marry goals with performances, which is all the Celtic supporters have ever wanted from him. He's mm-hmm. elevated himself to some kind of higher status with the goals that he scored on important stages. But he's now starting to take games by the scruff of the neck. And all because you've got the safety net of Callum McGregor playing where he is, seeing where he is, Turnbull as well, another footballer, and Rodrick, a sublime mm. footballer when he wants to be. 
So from middle to front, we're we're looking quite good. But again, I get back to that's that's brilliant. That's I have to say, it's brilliant management from Ange putting yeah. Callum in there and playing him alongside two other extremely gifted footballers, and then getting a tune out of a footballer who you thought was heading for the exit door. He's only twenty eight. Yeah, I was shocked. I heard that last night and I thought, I, I would have sworn he was a couple of years older than that. Yeah, so you think he's been around forever, but he's not. So if this is his peak <laughs> years and Ange can keep him and getting that per, kind of level of performance out of him, then you've kind of won a watch. Mm-hmm. He's got a kind of new player, because he has a new player, because we've not seen that Tom Rogic before. We've seen fleeting moments where he's scored some cracking goals and important goals, but he's never married the two together. Mm-hmm. performances and I'm really excited about that but uh, Jim getting back to your original point I can't find a fault in Callum McGregor I really can't and yeah. he's into that captain's role which a lot of people say they maybe not suited for and he has grabbed that by the scruff of the neck and yeah. I think I think that, that the midfield in particular are, are functioning very very well for Celtic moving forward <laughs> Yeah. I also Jim, wanted, uh, uh, yeah, the word I would use about playing Callum McGregor is inspired. I think that's an inspired yes. move by Ange. Yeah. Because we're all talking about, well, Sorrow, is Sorrow good enough to play in there? Will James McCarthy play in there? Callum McGregor is, is, is the anchor of that midfield now. He's a bit of like a quarterback. Everything's going to get through him. you know. And the contrast between Callum McGregor now and Callum McGregor last January, February, was interviewed and he says, I have no idea what we're doing here. <laughs> you know, It's remarkable. Yeah. I think I read somewhere he had something like 130 touches in the game against Dundee last week. I don't know if that's true or not. But if he did, that's, yeah. that's, that's astonishing. So he's keeping people playing. He's making Turnbull a better player. He's making Rogic a better player. The way Ange plays football, it's all about passing and moving, passing and moving, passing and moving. And he's a perfect example of somebody who can pass and move and, keep, and just keep the game going. And, and and the difference between playing him there and Sorrow there or Scott Brown there is just unbelievably different and he's he's the key guy and my concern would be that if he doesn't play and someone else we don't have anyone as good as that I still see James McCarthy and what he's like but yeah. I thought he was inspired last night in terms of last night's game I thought that was the best midfield performance that I'd seen in a long long time yeah the three of them Roger was unbelievable last night gets the ball two or three guys around him a couple of touches he's passed them and he's played in the past and I think Turnbull on a bigger surface and a better surface when he's got time to play is a far better player. I think he, when he's playing up at Ross County or the Tony Macaroni, whatever, I think that's a different thing altogether. But at Celtic Park, with the space that he's got, you know, very, very good player. And again, that yeah. just sums up the hysteria. People are saying sell him after a couple of bad games. He wasn't playing particularly well. His form had dipped a little bit. And we said this on the podcast, you know, maybe you should leave him out for a game or two. But he's kind of shown that anyone who's thought that, you know, he's a good, good player. And his second goal was stunning. Last night, you know, yeah. simple football, knock it in, look up, bang, goal. It's mm. not that complicated at times, football. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we'll come we'll come back to David Turnbull in a minute, but Jim, I did want to get your thoughts on the, the point Tony raised about about Callum McGregor's captaincy. Now, we've talked about how he might offer more in terms of his footballing ability than Scott Brown does in the system, but one thing Scott Brown definitely brought to the team was leadership and, and, and a lot of the attitude that you, you would want from a player uh, other than just his technical ability. As Tony said, people have been shocked by quite how much 
Callum McGregor seems to have grabbed it by the scruff of the neck. We saw him gather the players after the Dundee win. Do you think this is a role that he's going to grow into? Do you think we've maybe underestimated the determination he already has to have been in Celtic as long as he has? Um, are you surprised by how well he seems to have adapted to the role? Not surprised, no. I think he's an intelligent, articulate young man. He's played a ridiculous amount of football. He's an experienced guy now. He's, he's, he's the go-to guy. And I think he's loving it. I think he's thriving on it. Uh, mm. when, when it comes to Celtic, I, I think if, if you know you don't want to look too far ahead, but if he keeps playing the way he's playing just now, he'll be a shoe for the player of the year. Shoe mm. for the player of the year. Whether we, whether we win the league or not, uh, I think that level of performance where you're getting that many touches of the ball and you're dictating so much of the game, you know, I think uh, if he if he can keep free of injury, uh, I, I think he's going to have an astonishing season. And and and, and he's the main guy. And you've heard the new guys who've came in have talked about him as well. Carl McGregor spoke to them. He's an intelligent, articulate young man. There's no reason why, you know, he couldn't go on to be a, a very, very good Celtic captain. And I think, you know, when you go, so there's a bit of an echo there. Yeah, no, on you go, Jim. No, I just think uh, any misgivings that we had, I think uh, certainly from the first few games, uh, I think maybe we were wrong to have those misgivings. I think he's been very impressive and long may continue. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, we'll go back to, to David Turnbull, as we were talking about before. You, you talked a bit about, I mean, I don't need to tell anybody on this stream how wide the smile was in my face when the two goals went in. Um, I've waited a long time to see him play in the flesh. I'm even more in admiration of the footballer that he is. Um, I think that actually... The system that Ange's playing has brought out the best in Tom Rodgers, but it's also bringing out the best in David Turnbull because I think David Turnbull was playing almost in a 10 position before. I don't think he is a number 10. I think Rodgers is playing more in the number 10 position and, and is better for that lack of responsibility. I think Turnbull's got the passing and the vision to play that bit deeper and play those passes forward. If he can do that, as you said, and chip in with a couple of goals, we've really got a player on our hands that's streets ahead of the one we already thought we had last season. You know my thoughts on Turnbull? I told you he was a baller last season because I'd watched him a lot with my level. And I'd watched him grow as a player. And when his move collapsed initially, I was I felt pretty gutted for him. But I felt gutted that he wasn't going to be a Celtic player. So when it was resurrected, I was really chuffed. I thought it might take him a while to get into the Celtic team, and it did. But once he was there, that you know, I had no reservations or qualms about David Turnbull. This is a boy who's got a lot. He's got vision. He's got drive. He's got energy, and he can score. You know, he, he he's very accurate with his shooting. You know, mm-hmm. the goals last night were two completely different goals. Second one, as Jim says, simple football. You know, great strike. I mean, he's hit like an arrow straight. Yeah. Problem right. Brilliant, fantastic foot. But the, the the first goal, most people would have expected them to take it with the left foot. But that we jab yeah. the right, the right foot. Football brain it in operation there. Not yeah. many, many players would have waiting for that to come to the left foot and then maybe hit it with the left. No. Or tried to put their laces through it and actually yeah, thinking just ahead of the goalkeeper, you didn't need to do that. Or just not do what Turnbull did switched on you know in that situation and also one to execute it and two to do it as coolly and calmly as he did it I I looked at that and I thought that's such a difficult skill but he made it look as if he was playing in the garden against what I remember his family it's a five a side goal 
And as Jim says, football's a simple game at times. It's simple when you've got good players that are executing things like that. And this boy's a baller. He's a player. I, I, I can't speak highly enough of him, right? I, I, I really do. I, I, I think he, you know, I know you've made comparisons to a certain number eight and things like that when you, you saw him, but you would have been delighted to see Turnbull last night because you obviously watched him. You would have done what Sky would have deemed the, the player cam on Turnbull. You would have been doing that last night. But yeah. You, you can see what I'm talking about with Turnbull, you know, and as Jim said, the guy had two bad days at the office and there was, you know, the hysterical nature of, I need to sell him, he needs to be dropped, he needs to be this. No, no this boy needs to be playing in a system that suits him and this system suits him and the, it's suiting the whole midfield because we are getting a turn out the mall. And I, I, I agree with Jim, that that was one of the best midfield performances I've seen. Like, and I, I'm allowing for the opposition, but you can only beat what's in front of you. But they were 100%. always measured and controlled last night, that Celtic midfield. I'll be interested to see how they perform against Alkmaar and the Ibrox, and I'll make more, uh, as Jim says, there'll be more judgment coming then. But the signs are really positive, that, and they look happy. They look yeah. happy players, and that's a big, big thing. They now seem attuned to the system that Andy's playing, and they look happy, and they're showing increasing signs of uh, understanding what, what what the way Celtic are going to play moving forward. And if you get Turnbull, Rogic, McGregor, Christie on forum, and Kyogo, class speaks for itself. You, you've got potent weapons there. You really have. Yeah, hundred percent. Addo on YouTube, uh, and remember, you can watch and comment on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter. He says, and I love the profile photo. He or she says, Turnbull, the complete package, and I think that that sums up what we've said. Um, We'll move away a bit from the midfield and go to up front. As as you mentioned, Tony Kyogo has that touch of class. We saw it in abundance with a hat-trick against Dundee. Um, Jim, I, I'm a proponent of I'll watch football in any way possible, but there is something different about being there in the flesh. Uh, some people who maybe weren't at the game maybe would have thought that Kyogo had a slightly quiet game um, that maybe didn't have as much impact. But what what I saw was a player who was constantly pointing, making runs, playing off the shoulder, looking for those passes. Do you think that maybe it's just going to take the team a little bit of time to get used to him as a player and get on his wavelength? Uh, or do you think it was just a case of it that it didn't come off last night? Uh, I'm going to keep up the Victor Meldrew theme, I think, uh, that I'll look for a wee bit of balance. I thought the front three were okay last night. Mm. Uh, they were quite quiet. I thought Forrest was really quiet. I thought Christy, apart from maybe a wee 10-minute spell in the first half, was, was was very quiet. Hugo, as you said, and that's what I'd noticed last Sunday, he's on the move all the time and you have to find him. And somebody who's that clever needs other clever players around about him. And that's why it's good we've got a Turnbull or a Ryan Christie, or a Tom Rogers, who are clever, clever players, uh, missed a sitter in the first minute. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I didn't think he did very much last night. He was on the move all the time, and nobody could find him, so he didn't have many touches of the ball. And as I said, Forrest was quite... So I thought up front were relatively so-so last night, and we have to kind of work on that. I mean, I thought Ryan Christie was outstanding against Dundee, but I'm still not sure that left up front... 
it's his position because he lacks a bit of pace for me, you know. Mm. So maybe he should be a number 10, but we've got enough number 10s. In fact, last week, I said maybe Kyogo could be a number 10, but after scoring three goals, maybe that's a kind of very poor opinion. So we've, we've got loads of players who could be played at number 10. Uh, Ryan on that left-hand side, I'm not so sure. To answer the question that you've asked, Kyogo looks an exceptional talent. Reminded me about George Cadet a wee bit. Mm. He's on the last man. He's got a bit of pace and you have to find him. Uh, we maybe didn't find him as much last night, but... It's Celtic Park. I think you should score goals for fun. Uh, away from Celtic Park, as I said last week, I think Andy's going to have to kind of maybe mix and match things a wee bit. Uh, and I'm encouraged mm. to see we're after the big guy Henry or Henry, whatever he's called. Yeah. I said last week, I think we need a bit of physicality. I think we have to mix and match things, particularly when we go away from Celtic Park. But uh, in terms of Kyogo, he looks like a fantastic player. Uh, just give him the ball. Just, just give him the ball. Yeah, that was exactly it. Tony, I was just going to come to you on, on, on Kyogo. Um, I, th- I think that was that was something I actually said uh, at the game last night that in some ways Kyogo's only going to be as good as the service he receives. If he doesn't get that, then then he's going to have a, a relatively quiet game. I personally don't mind that because I think he can be so lethal, um, but it does leave you in a position where he can have very little impact if he's not found throughout the game. I tell you what else he's going to be. He's going to be a referee and assistant referee's nightmare. Mm. There is going to be so many marginal calls this season with that boy up front, right? You'll get some, he won't. And it's going to be a real source of frustration because he's lightning quick and referees are going to have to take into consideration when the pass was played and not his run because he's on the go all the time. So you're going to have to... There's going to be so many... This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Disputed calls, which will, as I said this morning, that probably to healthy and unhealthy debate. Because there was a marginal one last night, you know, again, uh, which I think proved he was just off. You know, so that's fair enough. Uh, but he is, he's, I say that after the hat trick against Dundee, that he reminded me of Larson in terms of his movement. Other mm. people said Cadet as well. But uh, 
He's are speaking my language. He's are speaking my language. <laughs> they were both magnificent strikers. And yeah, you're only as good as the service. Yep. And like Jim says, if they could get uh, Henri or Henri, whatever his name is, Thomas Henri or Henri, whatever you pronounce it, from living in, that, that would be ideal. Because then you could mix and match. Because there are there will be times when Kyogo will be quiet or quietish like last night. But I still think that when you've got someone like that, you have to find them. And if you mm-hmm. find them, you find them, he will score. And that's the bottom line. He showed it on Sunday. You know, so uh, he's, he is very intelligent, Kyogo, yeah. with his runs. But then you're relying on, as Jim said, and we've said on this as well, the intelligent footballers in your team picking them out, you know, and making sure that he hasn't gone too quick, that he's offside, you know, because intelligent football players can spot that as well, that if yeah. he goes too quick, they won't give him it, you know, because it, it's it's pointless. So that's another thing that maybe you'll have to work on as well, you know, moving forward. But, I mean, I think that the style and the way Celtic are playing just now are, are suited for a striker like Kyogo. And as Jim says, maybe it's the away games where it won't be suited that we'll have to bring in a, a bustling centre forward. I'm, I'm in total agreement with that. But yeah. if, if any striker will tell you they have to be found. <laughs> That's the bottom line, you know. And and that can mask the fact that they may be being quiet, but you're still doing a lot of things off the ball, you know, and trying to influence the game, which is different from not doing anything the way Edward has maybe played in yeah. the past few months that Celtic supporters get really annoyed at. Well, Kenny67 on YouTube, and thanks for commenting, as everybody can do, says Kyogo wasn't found with the passes last night that his movement deserved. Uh, the wee man's going to score a ton of goals in the hoops, which I think goes along with what we're saying. I think he, he was... He was as enthusiastic and as hard-working as he'd been against Dundee, but you're not going to score a hat-trick every game, and, and that's just the way that it goes. Um, Tony, I'm going to just pick up on something Jim said before I come back to, to Jim a bit later, but he said about, about Ryan Christie um, that maybe left-hand side isn't his position and that he obviously didn't have as good a game as he did against Dundee. Now, I, I get some some amount of flack on the post, uh, post-match post coverage uh, after Dundee for sort of saying, pump the brakes a wee bit on the, on the Ryan Christie loving just because I think there's a, there is a consistency issue there. I'm not sure that last night was necessarily a lack of effort on his part, but it, it did prove that, you know, the impact is is somewhat up and down. What did you make of his performance? And do you think it was more down to just the, the same as Kyogo? It didn't come off for him? I think I, I think the, the latter there, it just didn't come off for Ryan Christian last night, but it came off on Sunday against Dundee. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he, he described his pass for Kyogo's hat-trick goals world-class, and it was a world-class pass. There's very few footballers that are that intelligent and can execute that, you know. And I've, I always say it's, it's always about application and attitude and desire with players, you know what I mean? And I, I think there's been a desire there with Christie to improve under Ange Postacoglu and give him a shift. You know, but whatever stool you fall on in this one, I just think it's a, it's worth a conversation to see what he stops mm-hmm. at. Moving forward, and if he wants to stay, then ask the question, as you always say. Of course, you've got to ask the question, and if he wants to stay, then he should stay. They should they should compromise and find a deal and make him stay because he seems to be happy. And uh, you know, last night was again one of those ones where he maybe wasn't the main man, as Jim said, but you know, that 
that's one game, isn't it? And maybe in his head, you know, and, and maybe in a, in a few other heads, was the tie was done. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. have to exert themselves. They were in control of that game because the opposition weren't that great. So you say to yourself, right, no, we're control here. You know, we're one up, two up, whatever. You know, and then you say, right, that's it. Game's done and dusted. Just game management after that. And I think a few of them might have might have been going through that process last night. Don't do anything stupid. Don't get hurt. And Kyogo ended up getting hurt, didn't he? When yeah, he, a couple of times, yeah. Tried to chase a through ball and I think the keeper caught him. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, just natural enthusiasm. Great, but there are things you see yourself, look, you know, you don't have to bust a gut all the time. You know, Christie mm. influenced to play superbly on Sunday against Dundee. Maybe not such a great influence last night. don't think it's a consistency issue per se. <laughs> Just some games you're in it a lot more yeah. than others, you know. And so, but if you're asking me, should he stay, then my, my answer would be yeah. Because yeah. if you take him out, then you're taking a big functioning part of the team out. You know, what Ange, the way Angie's planned it moving forward. So I would be. I would be reticent, you know, be careful what you wish for in these kind of situations. Yeah. You know, so I think when you go, sorry. I think I agree with Jim that maybe the left hand side isn't isn't his maybe best position, but certainly he's got the brain to play the kind of football that, that we're trying to play and that's all you're looking for. Um but you know, we've talked about the attack, we've talked about the midfield. Jim, I'll come to you on the defence. Mm-hmm. I have to admit that's the first time I've seen Stephen Welsh in, in the flesh. Um and out of him and our brand new signing, I felt like he was the more accomplished looking one of the two. Um, what did you make of his performance last night? Has he kind of stamped his impression on Ange that he's he's going to keep the position until we can get further strength in? And before answering that question, I'm just going to say that I'm a big Ryan Christie fan because I'm saying mm-hmm. in the past he's a guy who who's a bit of a risk taker. Uh, yeah. He passes and he moves and he fits into Ange's style of play. But, but unless we put him on the kind of wages that the top earners are getting on, He's away. He has to be away because he's not getting paid as much as the other guys. So I think I'd like him to stay, but I think we'd have to put him on parity with the other guys first before anything happens. In terms of defence, defence is a... That'll be the big thing this season. That'll, that'll make or break the league. What we yeah. get the back. Uh, I think looking at... It was an interesting thing about Stephen Wells. Uh, when he first broke into the team, it was either Paul John or it was Colin Watt who said that he's a good long passer. His long passing game is good. And you think, well, you don't do that with Ange. That's the last thing you're going to do with Ange. And mm. Julian, I think, is one of his strengths. He's quite a good long passer. Whereas under Ange, it's a bit short passes and moving things quickly. And we've lost Ayer. And I know Ayer divides opinions, but, but Ayer would be a big Ange player. You know, somebody who is comfortable with the ball at his feet, who can break forward. Beaton, I think, is a big Ange player. You know, we don't want... Most fans maybe don't want beating on the team, but I think he showed with the goal that he set up for Kyogo last week. You know, what mm. somebody playing there can actually get forward, get through the lines and, and make chances. Uh, as far as Stephen Welsh is concerned, uh, I think once we get uh, other centre halves in, I, think, I don't think Stephen Welsh will be on the team. Uh, Starfield for me is a kind of strange one because I'd, what I'd said a few weeks ago, I'm looking for battle hardened guys in the team and he certainly qualifies as that but he's maybe not an Anish type of player he looks like an awkward kind of guy reminds me a bit of Mowbray in terms of his, how he kind of stands and his shoulders and that sort of stuff you know so he's a no-nonsense centre half and maybe I'm not so sure that's a kind of Anish player but obviously Anish is bottom so in terms of last night 
as I said before, if you're going to play for an Ange team, you have to pass, you have to move, you have to be good at that, you have to be, you know, every pass has to be 100% accurate, because if not, you're going to put yourself in trouble. Uh, Stephen Welsh looks okay. Starfield looked a bit uncomfortable in doing that a few times. Uh, and I think the back two and the goalkeeper and the fullbacks, I suppose, the whole, the, the whole defence is going to be key this year. And I think, although they've done individually, they've all done really well, particularly Ralston. Is Ralston the best fullback we can get? No, he's not. Is Taylor the best we can get? No, we're not. We, could, we, we can afford to go out and spend money to, to get better players than them. Albeit they've done really, really well. And I think Welsh falls into the same category. I think Starfield's mm-hmm. going to stay there. Joe Hart's going to stay there. But if I was Ange, I'd be looking to replace the two fullbacks and Stephen Welsh. I mean, obviously, you'd be keeping them in the squad uh, and, and I think they'd be good backup players. But uh, if you're a football manager, who actually works? You're looking to replace every single player you've got within, yeah. your, budgetary, within your budgetary constraints and within the time constraints of a transfer window. So, you know, even someone like James Forrest, could we go get a better player than James Forrest? If we could, then we should, you know, subject to the money situation. So that's what you're looking for to do all the time. And as I said, although Rolf has done well, Welsh has done well, and Taylor's done well, you know, are they the guys you think you could depend on to win the league and go farther in Europe? Mm. I'm not so sure. So I'd be looking to replace them. I think Welsh has done remarkably well since he came into the team. He looks quite calm. He looks assured. Uh, but I think we can get a better centre half than Stephen Welsh a more physical yeah. dominant centre half and the thing is you're never going to get a Van Dyke because you can't afford a Van Dyke kind of player but, but that's the kind of player you want somebody who is a good defender first and foremost but is good with her feet good on the ground and good with making the passes because if you want to play for Ange Postacoglo's team you have to pass the ball well yeah um, t- Tony, before I come to you on the defence, Roddy McDonald on YouTube, sorry the comments scrolled past, but he's asked me to articulate my thoughts on Ryan Christie more clearly. I mean, you know, I, I don't have anything particularly negative about Ryan Christie. The, the only point that I made was that I would like to see consistency from him as I would from, from every player in the team. It's nothing more than that. I think he could he could perform on a bit more of a consistent basis, but undoubtedly when he plays at his best as he did against Dundee and Sunday he's one of the best players that we have so a, a fit, healthy and all firing Ryan Christie is without a doubt a, a, a strength for Celtic and, and something that I'll I'll say to the cows come home just uh, if we could provide it on a more consistent basis then I would be I would be much happier with that but Tony we'll, we'll come to you on the defence um, Jim raised an interesting point about Starfelt and it was something that I saw last night um, for a team that's supposed to be good with passing the ball and supposed to be good with the ball at their feet he's arguably more of the defender that you're looking for but less of the ball player he seems to panic a little bit with the ball Um Yes, the stats guys have said they complete so many passes in a game, but if he only if he only has two dodgy passes in a game and he put us in trouble, then that's the only ones you care about, really. What did you make of his performance last night? Are you still to be convinced, or do you like him? <laughs> I think my personal duties. I always always refer you back to Big Bobo. Big Bobo was at his worst when he thought he was a player. You know, <laughs> when he started putting his foot in the ball and looking up, and you're thinking, oh no. Right, don't right, just shunt it as quickly as you can to a footballer. See if you can't do that then rose edit. I don't care. I, my thoughts are Jim, Jim football's a simple game to me. See defenders, just defend. See when it's in the air, go and one in the air, see when it's on the floor, go and clear it. Do your job first. 
don't start thinking you're a football player. And I know it's no maybe Andy's prototype, but not every player in your starting eleven is a football player. And defenders most likely are not. I know you can maybe mm-hmm. go and try and find these guys, but if Starfield's trying to pass the ball twice and put you in positions, uh, you know, where, where there's danger, I don't want him to pass the ball then. I'd rather he shield it or, or, you know, or whatever. Just don't put your club in any trouble, you know, or your team in any trouble, your teammates. If you can find a player, give it to McGregor, give it to the nearest footballer, they'll do the rest. You know, but don't ask them to do something that's alien to their nature. Just ask them to do the basic. Ma- master the basics first, just defend. And Starfield worries me a wee bit because I don't think he's particularly great in there either. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually we actually talked about that, and it's I, I'm a bigger fan of of Welsh than I think than I think Jim yeah. is. But I, it was something I noticed last night that neither of the pair of them are particularly dominant in the air, like you say. Which is no great, is it? So mm. I'm in agreement with Jim. You are still on the cusp of maybe needing certainly one centre back, possibly two. You mm. know, because you don't know when Julian's coming back, and this this running. The present, I always talk about the here and now. This could be crucial in terms of amassing points. Jim's a big points amasser guy, right? You know what I mean? So, But if your defence is going to cost you points, you need to do something about it. You know, especially mm-hmm. your central defence. You know, so, and you can't just say, well, Julian comes back and pair him with Starfield or Welsh. You know, I, I think Jim's a wee bit harsh in Welsh. I think there's a, a wee bit more of a footballer there, but I... I, I accept his opinion and he's he's articulated that and he's given you the reasons why. But I'm still not convinced that Starfield or Welsh are your immediate starters moving forward. You know, Starfield's mm-hmm. still got a lot to do to convince me. You know, it's all right, as Jim says, being battle-hardened, but you also need to be good in your position. It's all right, yeah. you've played a lot of games and you're experienced. <laughs> what are you experienced at? In? <laughs> can you head it away? <laughs> can you clear it? Can you pick up a man? Can you, you know, so there's a few, well, there's more than a few ragged edges in Starfelt's game. And I actually mm-hmm. think back in Welsh, because Welsh was actually playing okay. You know, yeah. he's had a run of games where he was looking consistent and, and, and looking the part. And now I think he's worried about his, you know, his, his partner and maybe overcompensating instead of doing simple things. But I could be wrong in that, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but, you know, and I, I still I worry about that. And I, as much as I, I'll praise Ralston to the hilt, because he's overperformed in the past mm-hmm. games, yeah. uh, you still need another right back. And then Greg Taylor, you still need another left back. So I'm in agreement with Jim. If we can afford that, we need four defenders. We really do. Mm-hmm. And if we're not looking, we should be, you know. So, uh, you know, and again, my personal jury is out on the whole defence. Uh, but, yeah. you know, we, we seem to be, I think, from middle to front, we're relying on that to carry us through games, you know, and so far. As, as we were as we were warned, I think, I about Ange. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And so yeah. far, the quality that we've played in the games, the last three games, Hasn't been great, so we've we've dealt with it efficiently. But we go to Ibrooks in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? It'll, you know we'll, we'll, that will be, and then we play Altmar in between times. 
that'll be your sternest test so far. And you'll, yeah. your defence will, will, you know, you will answer a lot of questions or it will give you a lot of headaches. Uh, your yeah. defence moving forward. But, I think we'll uh, have to get used to this. Sorry, Laura. On you go, Jim. On you go. No, I think we have to get used to this heart attack football. Hopefully, there's less heart attacks in each in each in each game we play. Because there was a, an incident last night where we played the ball around the back, and their players were starting to uh, push forward. And you're thinking this is a disaster. And then somebody put the ball to Carl McGregor, and we took three of their players out of the game. So when it works, it's really good to watch. But it's such high risk stuff <laughs> that if you lose one goal, it could be a disaster losing that one goal. And I can imagine going to Ibrox with like, you know, 50,000 fans <laughs> on top of them, playing that kind of stuff at the back. You know, there's a couple of times last night, Joe Hart just, you know, split yeah, yeah. second, almost yeah. got caught and then did get caught. You know, so so I think it's going to take a lot of getting used to as fans watching that. And as I said, I was talking about the Mitchell game the first week where Barker has was the edge of his box and beat on his playing the ball and nobody was in goals. And mm. thinking... No, just Look. as you said the other two, hit up the park, just get rid of it. Yeah, but that's yeah. not Ange ball. Ange ball no, doesn't hit that. the ball up the park. Just give it to me as a player and try and keep moving the ball about. And eventually, if you keep moving the ball about, you'll find the space. And when you, yeah. once you find the space, then it's about who's moving and then it's about passing. So passing and moving in space yeah. is all about Ange, basically. It's not about hitting... 50 yards passes or clearing your lines or putting the ball in the stand. It's about being patient. And I think as a fan base, I think we're going to have to get used to that and and, 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 and try and buy into that. And I think it's quite difficult at the start because all you're doing is just kick the no. bloody thing up the park. Yeah. I'm not advocating that, Jim, but I'm advocating that if my defence is going to put the team in trouble because they, they can't. Yeah. You can't ball. That's the bottom line, you know. Aye. I think we've just heard the first, the, the death by a thousand cuts this season. It's heart attack football, isn't it? That's, you said that. I didn't. That's, that's I didn't say that. You say that. No, you, you say that. that. <laughs> well, as, as Joe Dino said on Twitch, it was just up on the screen a wee minute ago, he understands what Jim's saying. And I think what we're all saying about Starfield I mean, and, and probably some of the other players as well is they're going to take a while to get used to this system, but if they can get it to work, it will work. We've talked about Joe Hart's um, sort of... Uh, in fact, before I go on to Joe Hart, Brian uh, in the post-match coverage said a, a, a funny phrase that I thought summed it up quite well. We're going to take quite a few black eyes this season. Now, whether that's in the case of strange results or, or conceding silly goals, you can definitely see it coming. Um, and, and we just have to, I think personally, we just have to deal with that in order to get the system going as we were. We've talked about Joe Hart putting us in trouble a couple of times, but Jim, you were at the stadium last night the roar when he made those two saves was unreal. It was as if we had scored the goal. Is it not great that, you know, he might have some work to do with his footwork, but we've definitely got a shot stopper on our hands? I think there were two pretty straightforward saves. It wasn't as if he'd, he'd leaped in the <laughs> left-hand corner and put it in the Come post. on, he's Gordon Banks. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, <laughs> I thought going all Victor Meldrew again. I could have saved then, so... Yeah, so. <laughs> Maybe I couldn't have, but it kind of he did what he had to do. It wasn't anything special. I think it was a wee bit of a tongue in cheek with the with the reaction to the fans. Oh, we've got a goalkeeper you can save. <laughs> you know, I don't think there were particularly difficult saves to make. I think you know what I'm looking forward to, and I, and I know I'm coming across all Victor Meldrew today. Is that we've won the last three games against fairly modest opposition, 
Yeah. If we go out and beat Alkmaar three or four nothing on Thursday night, I'll have a different view of things. Uh, so, as I said, let's let's wait to the end of the month. Uh, Joe Hart is an experienced goalkeeper. He should be a good buy, but we said the same thing about Duffy last year. <laughs> you know, so you know, let's let's just wait. <laughs> I'll be too excited. He made two saves that any goalkeeper you'd expect to make. So. Let's not get too excited about that. Let's let's wait to the end of the month and hopefully he pulls off a world a world class save at Ibrox and Kyogo scores a winner in the last minute with an overhead kick. Yeah, money on that. Oh. Uh, then we can say we're back. Let's just kind of be a wee bit uh, curb our enthusiasm again, just to quote Mr Mr. Haggerty there. Heart attack football and curbing our enthusiasm. I, I think that's going to sum up this season for us. Tony, what are your what are your thoughts on Joe Hart? I mean, we all know his weaknesses with the ball at his feet. Do you think we've definitely brought in a better shot stopper? I mean, I just think there's a confidence there with Joe Hart. You know, and I think he instills confidence in other players. But again, back to what Jim says, there were a couple of instances last night where he was playing it with his feet and you're just like, what are you doing, you know? And and that's what I'm saying about I know Ange doesn't want the ball hoofed, but you cannot put your team in danger. You know, you cannot and you know, you've got to sense that too. Yeah, you to know? be fair to, to Tony, to be fair to Joe Hart, I was watching him a bit like I was watching the player cam when, when he was in goal at our end of the stadium and there was a couple of times you could tell he was just itching to put his foot through it, but he's obviously been warned. Yeah, right. So, and I get all that, but sometimes you need to say to your manager, look, you know, there was clear and present danger. I got rid of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And See, if you're a defender for me and there's clear and present danger, you get rid of it. I don't care yeah. if you start acting like Franz Beckenbauer. Because that is when you will, as you alluded to Brian said there, you'll take black eyes. And black eyes will come by con- the concession of cheap goals because you are dithering about with a ball or trying to be a footballer. There are things when you, you don't need to be a footballer. You know what I mean? And certainly at the back of the pack's a time when I don't want them to be footballers if there's clear and present danger. I don't want EZ Altmar players or Rangers players chasing them down and then thinking, all right, if I play hero, you know, because you're then relying on a footballer to bail you out of that situation. And whilst Callum did it last night by dropping shoulder of any and beating three players, that will not always work. You will, mm. you will concede. And it's and it is high risk and it's high, high risk football. You know, strategy football, fair enough. Heart attack football, call it what you like. But I don't think, and I get what the managers try to do and I'm all for that. Brilliant. But there are times when you just, you know, you have to say to yourself, you know what? No, I, I felt that we might concede there, get it away, you know, we'll, we'll win it back, start it again. That That's that's the thing. And, you know, if Joe Hart's no comfortable playing football and as you say, he's natural, he's natural instincts just to boot it forward, then fair enough, he's going to have to have a conversation with the manager because it, it, it can't be allowed to continue because then again, that becomes a sign of weakness and, Joe Hart's psyche, which people might try to exploit. But I think there's a yeah. short stopper we've, we've won a watch with a short stopper. He, he can save the ball going into the goal. And, and yeah. I, like him, I thought there was a, an irony to that, uh, cheering so loudly last night as well. That's what came across to me. I, I kind of smiled and laughed. But I just think it was a relief amongst the Celtic supporters more than anything that a ball, a travelling ball at speed going towards the goal was saved. You know, So there was a, a comedic element to it, I thought. I think also, oh, Tony, well. within the context of the game, 
you know, if we were one nil up and it was a Scottish Cup final and he pulls off that save and that's yeah, he's saved in Scotland. Whereas, you know, the game was done and dusted well before that, so it really didn't matter. And as, yeah. as you said, it was a bit of an ironic cheer at the end. <laughs> Uh, maybe that 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 particular joke has gone totally over my head. In that case, I was I was maybe just too excited to be back, and I was cheering everything that was going. But uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend. We've got Hearts, obviously, the beating is in the opener of the season. I believe the first defeat that we've had in the opening league game of the season since the infamous uh, defeat at Easter Road to Hibs, where a certain Henrik Larson gifted the ball to Chick Charnley and he rattled it into the net. Uh, but we're playing them in the cup this weekend. Jim, I'll come to you. Uh, are you expecting a much different performance in the weeks, given the weeks that have gone by, or do you think Hearts have got enough in the tank to, to maybe cause us problems again this weekend? I expect us to completely dominate as we did at Tynecastle, uh, put in a bigger and a better surface, play with more confidence, more belief, big crowd at our back. See nothing. <laughs> Simple as that, you know, Tony. Um, on, I was listening to BBC Scotland last night on on the way home, and uh, Craig Levine was on, um, and he was saying that he did think Hearts would struggle with the bigger pitch, as Jim's just alluded to. Surely that's going to allow us to play the expansive football that we want to play. As as Jim says, we've got the crowd on our side. Uh, it's going to be a different game, is it not? Has to be a different game. Hopefully. If it, if it reverts to the same kind of game at Tynecastle, Celtic lost that game. You know, mm-hmm. so you know, and and the great thing about that is you only need to look at that. Yeah, I can see it yourself at any given time. You will take a smack in the pus, right? Kicking, whatever you know. So you've got that to look back on to say, right, make sure that doesn't happen again. This is how we go about it. Because Celtic were beaten by a well-drilled, well-organised and well-disciplined side in the opening day of the season. That's all. They weren't flashy, they weren't skillful, they they never really came out their shell. They played for set pieces and stuff like that and they got them and they exploited the weakness in Starfelt having just been uh, propelled into the team. You know, so they got everything mm-hmm. that could have happened did happen for Hearts in a good mm-hmm. way. Celtic might have dominated possession of the ball I dispute the fact that they played well because they never created many chances. Took a world if you're Alston to get them back into the, the game, as we've spoken about. But I expect, like Jim, I expect Celtic to be as dominant in possession again. I don't expect them not to create. And uh, But I always think that if you've got something like that to look back on, a, a recent defeat to the same opponents, then you iron out everything. Before you go on the pitch, every player should be well drilled and no, because this is the same team they played two weeks ago. And and, and again, it's, it's it's human nature to be fueled by a sense of revenge. Players always say they, they never look for revenge. I don't believe that for one. I <laughs> a Celtic supporter wants revenge in Hearts this Sunday. So players are supporters, so they're no different. You know, mm. and I, I agree with Levine. I think Hearts will struggle if Celtic play the expansive football. How how do you combat that? When it goes well, you know it's exciting to watch. So when it doesn't go well, then you have to. But I don't, I don't see Hearts having much in their armoury to combat that. Yeah, I think Newcastle suits them. That that tight kind of ground and that intimidating atmosphere, and you know, and let's be honest, Hearts played as well as they could against Celtic in the opening day of the season. But it wasn't great, was it? But they still, no. managed, 
he still managed to beat them. Road fans booed them. Nah, was that? Yeah, yeah, you know. So I, I, I get back to the fact that they weren't. There was no flair, you know. Huh. Uh, so, but I think that's what Andy's saying, you know, and, and, and my my message to you about the carbon of your enthusiasm. Nothing's been won and nothing's been achieved, and that's how easy it is to, you know, be knocked off any kind of pedestal that you might put the team on. You know, mm. it happened in the opening day of the season when everybody thought Celtic would go to Tynecastle and win. They didn't. So you have to be mindful of that in every game. You know, and... That, that I think also, Tony, it came in the back of the European defeat as well. Yeah. So confidence was pretty low. Yeah. We've put some good games together. We've scored a lot of goals. We look quite clinical up front. We've got a fantastic midfield player. It's a Celtic part. Big crowd again. Yeah. If you don't I, win by three goals, I'd be very surprised. I, I agree with everything you've just said, but you, it's, it's, what is it? it's no saying it, it's Dana. That's what someone's <laughs> saying. Okay. Talk, talk. Well, ho- That's it, you know. Hopefully, in that case, we do do it and we don't just say it. Um, but thank you, Jim. Thank you, Tony, for another uh, great Friday. It was good to have the, the original Friday Club, the original Three Amigos back. I hope everybody agrees with that. Um, We'll see what happens with Hearts uh, this weekend. Of course, Axon will have uh, match coverage in some form, as always. Um, and uh, thanks again to our sponsors, the Celtic Wave, for sponsoring the podcast. Tony, you you put content on there. Uh, there's plenty of other writers. It's Celtic-focused content. I believe it's a pound for six months, and then is it three pound thereafter? Three pound thereafter, yeah. A pound for the first six months, three pound thereafter. And, uh, if you subscribe, there's a lot of... A lot of cracking stuff on there, a lot of tactical analysis as well. If that's your bag, you know, opinion pieces, columnists and and some some stuff that's been rated by myself. If you, <laughs> if you like that thing. Aye. If you want to see what Tony Dunn wrote, then uh, Aye, yes, get exactly. subscribed. Uh, but thank, thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you at the weekend for more Celtic action. And uh, this has been a Celtic State of Mind. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B A S. 
WSY to 203203. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.